Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome along to 101 Part-Time Jobs. 
I'm Giles Bitter, and this is the only podcast in the world where you get to hear from some of your favorite musicians about their previous jobs. You know, music isn't exactly the most reliable way to make a living, and that's what I want to talk about. I want to get stories. I want to find out how some of my favorite bands, some of your favorite bands, have survived over the years. We're coming up to the 101st episode, which is a miracle in itself. We got some brilliant names over the last 96 or so episodes. We got Raymond McGinley from Teenage Fan Club recently, Tim Burgess a few months ago, Matt Osman from Suede. There's a great list and I'm looking forward to something, a little project that I've been working on for the last few months when I release that 101st episode in a couple of weeks. But this week we've got Ed Cosens, known for his work in Sheffield Faithfuls, Reverend and The Makers. His solo album Fortune's Favour is coming out on April the 9th. Behind this is On The Run, the latest single taken from the album and you can find this online now. Thank you for listening. Make sure you're subscribed and all that stuff. As always, I've got some brilliant guests coming onto the show in the next couple of weeks. East London's Signature Brew have been brewing music-inspired beers since 2011. They've made some amazing beers with Mastodon, Idols, Slaves, Sports Team. They've probably made one with your favourite band. And you can go onto their website, signaturebrew.co.uk, and get lagers they've made, non-alcoholic as well, delivered directly to your door. With the voucher code 101podcast, all capital letters, you can get 10% off your order. All right, here's Ed Cosins and 101 part-time jobs. Go well. Cheers! You know, obviously your years in Reverend and the Makers is a whole story in itself, but going solo, that yeah. must kind of present its a whole new world of, of those kinds of things. That, you know, you just said before we press record that, you know, you've got a kid. Um, yeah what's that transition like you know in the, in the last few years going going solo um well i mean it, yeah it's, it's it's definitely an interesting thing obviously with with having sort of a family and kids now and uh, being in sort of rock and roll or supposedly in the rock and roll game it's it's obviously it can be difficult to kind of balance the two together um time wise and and sort of you know emotionally as well it's it can be quite difficult so obviously if you're having to go away or or whatever it's, it's it can be it can be really difficult but i don't know i mean mm. the, the solo thing it hasn't really kicked in yet if i'm honest i mean obviously I've, i went away for a couple of weeks a couple of years ago almost now to to actually record the album so you know that that was a period of being away from that long ago yeah yeah it's, it's been a fair old process obviously with with one thing and another it's it's taken a minute to get to get to the actual release date, which obviously is coming up in in a couple of months, but um, so yeah, you know, going away, and uh, I think at that point our youngest was he was about eighteen months, so you know, obviously going away when he was quite small for a couple of weeks, but I mean, it wasn't a huge amount of time, but uh, yeah, so but beyond that, I mean, I've not I've not really solo wise, I've not really done a, a huge amount yet, so uh, it's not been too bad the transition thus far, um, but obviously yes, yeah, so. and you're a full time musician for for tax purposes. Yes, yeah, that 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 is my uh, my job, so to speak. Um, although at the minute, I, I feel a bit more like a full time parent and sort of a, a proper like daddy daycare sort of world at the minute. It's because uh, my wife works um, uh, pretty much full time at the minute and has done since sort of beginning of lockdown. So yeah, I've I've kind of had to pick up that sort of side of it really, and and yeah, do do that as a as, as my job, so to speak, even though it's unpaid, unfortunately. But uh, you know, it's. Uh, You've got to do it, haven't you? It'll pay dividends in the future, I'm sure. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I'll go into teaching or something. <laughs> not. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> I've I've read in a, in a, in a you know some interviews how you know there is you know um, 
the the confidence is maybe something that you've you've battled with in in, in some regard. Yeah, and you know it makes me think as a fan. It's so interesting seeing someone like yourself and your years and experience yeah. still have that, still have that kind of niggling feeling. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously, I think as, as a creative person, whether it's music or art or, 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 you know, being an author and writing books or whatever, whatever format it is that you, you're doing, there's always an element of just uncertainty about what you're doing. Is it good enough? You know, will, will people mm. react in the way you want them to? I, I don't think that'll ever, I don't think that ever goes away. Um, obviously there's, there's the other side of it, you know, going on stage and performing and, and you kind of get used to that and, and, you know, the, the, the sort of, the nerves, I suppose, that maybe I once had way in the early days of getting onto a big stage in front of a lot of people, that that, that sort of goes away to a point, although it's, there's still that kind of nervous anticipation, I think, but it's a different kind of nerves at that point. You know, you get so used to doing your job and so, I guess, good at it that, you know, you, you can deal with that a lot better. But, in yeah, certainly in terms of creating something like music, in my case, and, and putting it out there, um, yeah, you, you always have a, an air of uncertainty, especially... For me, as as stepping out into a solo thing, um, whereas I've, obviously I've always had the band before, and within the, the Reverend, it was always I was kind of more of the music guy, and, and John the singer, he was always kind of the lyricist, and 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 put himself out there in that respect. Whereas I I was able, to, I sort of sat behind a little bit doing doing the music, which was a lot easier. Um, mm. But now, obviously, I'm I'm stepping forward and 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 putting my sort of lyrics and stuff. And, and things out to, into the wider world, which is a first for me. So I think that's where the kind of the confidence thing comes from. Um, that it's it's been you know it's been an interesting sort of journey to get to the point where I am confident in 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 what I'm saying lyrically and and, and confident enough to say it to other people. If you see what I mean. Yeah. Have you got some close people you can bounce ideas off? Yeah, I mean, obviously, my wife's been been really supportive, and and I, I often sort of play things to her, and, and she's she can be quite sort of <clears throat> quite kind of real about it, <laughs> should we say, if if, uh, if she thinks that something sounds a bit bit rubbish or whatever. Um, I've obviously got a, a sort of a, a network of people around me over the years that I trust. That you know, mm-hmm. when when you play things to, and you, you, you kind of know when you play something to someone, their their immediate reaction is often the right reaction. So even mm. if they could sort of sit there for a minute and go, oh, no, yeah, it was really good, that. if The, the fact that they've kind of gone, oh, and they've ummed and ahed, you know that maybe something's not quite right. So it's, it's quite telling, I think, in those, those circumstances. But, yeah, it's uh, so, you yeah, know, it's important to be able to to bounce ideas off off people and, and almost get a, a little bit of sort of pre-validation before you do put yourself out into the wider world. Absolutely. I can totally see that. And, yeah. you know, the, the whole premise of this podcast is is about the kind of the jobs you had, you know, in the beginnings of, of mm-hmm. Reverend or, or even before that. Are, are there any that stand out that, um, you know, maybe you weren't getting that validation for playing music? <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, I, I, I sort of, um, I mean, getting into to, to being a professional musician, shall we say, from, from when Reverend the Makers kind of kicked off, and that became an actual job um so to speak um before then i guess it, it was that in- eternal kind of i was at school i was always in bands at school and you know uh had a couple of sort of uh, part-time sort of jobs through school little bits of kind of bar work and then moving forward i, I went to university and sort of carried on a similar theme just getting bits of bar work and stuff like that to sort of see me through and to allow myself to keep kind of doing the music thing even though at that point it was it was on a sort of a an amateur level um 
And then, yes, yeah, so I just sort of flitted from from bar to bar, really, pub to pub, and uh, uh, had a had a really nice period of time working at uh, a, a pub, a bar in Sheffield called the Boardwalk, um, which was quite famous. Um, it was a gig venue, uh, about four hundred capacity, I think. So it was it was it was a decent size, and sadly, it's it's, it's closed down now, and it, it it was kind of there isn't that sort of size venue in Sheffield anymore, which is really sad. Neither in London um, too. I mean, yeah. you've got the Hundred Club, Heavenly Social, a bit smaller. Yeah, I, th- I think those size of venues, they, they, they obviously struggle um to sort of to keep ahead especially at the moment um it's a bit sad yes, that isn't it because it what happens if you're not a huge band but you're exactly. on the up you know exactly yeah yeah so you've got the real sort of small kind of as we call them toilet venues that are like you know 100 people crammed into a sweaty sort of cellar and then or either that is kind of where i mean chef we've got like the lead mill or or which is a mm. thousand and then the plug which is two and a half so it's, you know you suddenly yeah. there's, there's nowhere in between sadly having the kind of musical interest did you ever want to did you ever sort of dabble in like you know putting on gigs or doing the um you know the sort of techie side of it i i had a few um sort of trial runs working the sound desk there used to be an old sound guy there bless him called that we used to <laughs> we used to call him fester um after uncle fester because i think we're well, presuming because that's what he looked like which he kind of did um <laughs> he, he was he was a proper like salt of the earth kind of guy really, really kind of old school character and I think in 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 reality, I think he was actually a little bit deaf as well, which didn't help. But he was he was always there, and he, he you know he he was great. Bless him, I love I loved Festus. So I kind of shadowed him a few times, thinking, oh, maybe I could get from out behind the bar and actually do something with the you know with the music and sort of doing the sound. But it, yeah, it, 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 that side of it never really sparked an interest in me. It was always kind of obviously being on the stage that was where I kind of wanted to be at that point and you know we, we used to kind of there was, there was obviously us at the time this was before reverend there was me and john were in, were in a, a different band and there was i mean people like milburn was, were, were actually around at that point they they were kind of knocking around then obviously the early days of of the Mon- arctic monkeys we mm. used to sort of do gigs all together kind of thing on the same bill and and do that um so we, we used to kind of do bits and bobs like that but yeah it was it was a really interesting time to work then actually the me and John used to work behind the bar, and also Alex Turner and and, and Andy Nicholson, the, the original bass player from the Monkees, they used to work behind the bar as well. So it was a real kind of interesting time to sort of be around there. Interesting time for music journalism as as, as well. A couple of sort of NME features. I mean, one of my favourite things to do is dig back into you know NME or Krang features from ten years ago, and it's so interesting. You know, online now a lot of. Uh, the sort of dictaphone recordings have been uploaded right. and it's it's so interesting to hear about that kind of time i mean how do you look back on those years uh i mean with 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 real fondness i suppose really it was it was a really exciting time you know to be involved in in music and in bands and uh, obviously with with the way that things went for sort of arctic monkeys at the time um you know that that in itself was exciting that you kind of you, you, your mates your pals were suddenly in this enormous band and you know um yeah i don't know it's difficult looking back obviously we, we were all quite young at the time as well mm. so you kind of look back and it's i guess you you kind of have the rose tinted spectacles on a little bit don't you and think oh yeah that was amazing i mean in in, in truth there was <laughs> there was probably it was probably quite difficult at times and there were some difficult moments but you know it's uh yeah just just to be around a group of, of, of some of your mates and and old kind of doing it together because obviously me, me and John obviously when we, we started the Reverend thing that that started to take off and I say they were the Milburn lads and Joe who plays bass with us now the singer in Milburn he, he obviously they were they were doing really well so it was just a really 
amazing time. And obviously there were other bands, you know, there was sort of like Bromhead's Jacket and the Long Blondes and loads of different people from also based in Sheffield who, who you know, we, had, we all had a bit of a minute that, that it was just, it was just exciting and a, a really kind of fun time, you know, sort of mid twenties, just living the rock and roll dream, I suppose. And those bands are getting signed. Yeah. Major labels, big independent labels. Yep. Yeah. In terms of, you know, it's a bit of crude, there's no uncrude way to say it, but you know, from a, a simply financial point of view, was there a bit of a burn there? Was there a bit of a, a friction there with, with getting by and, you know, trying to put in the band first? Yeah, I mean, obviously, this, this this is where sort of the the bar jobs thing always came in for me personally. You know, it was it was always a way to just sort of keep going and to be able to keep doing the the band thing. But obviously, I was I was kind of uh, sort of lucky enough, I suppose, that that I had the sort of songwriting partnership with with John as well in the early days, and you know, with, with stuff like Heavyweight Champion and and Open Your Window and things from that first Reverend record. You know, that they mm. obviously with Heavyweight in particular, obviously did did incredibly well. You know, it was top ten single mm. and all the rest of it. So. There was obviously a, a slight easing of the financial burden once once that all kind of started kicking in and and yeah it's it's, it's I've got, I've, I felt like I've kind of been uh, sort of muddling through ever since really. <laughs> how how long does that take to come through? All too often you'll read stories about bands like or someone like Iggy Pop for example, where right, yeah. you know you read stories about how they were slumming it for years. You know, the money didn't come for a long you know seemingly a long time. Yeah, I think I mean I think I think nowadays it's uh, or certainly when we were starting it, it it was it was slightly different to obviously sort of Iggy Pop and his early days that I think there was a lot of kind of that in the kind of 60s and 70s where it was all the the rights and the contracts were signed up by sort of the managers and the the labels and and often the artists would yeah as you say would never see anything for for years but I mean I think I think what's good now is we've obviously got things like the PRS foundation that that sort of look after a lot of the artists shares of the songwriting and stuff so they they're very very good and and I think they, I think it all works on kind of like a nine to 12 month sort of delay, I guess, from doing stuff to actually seeing bits of money start to come through, you know, with, with sort of live gigs and, and stuff like with Heavyweight when it was on radio, for example, it would, it would always kind of be a knock, slightly knock on effect. You, you, you kind of get by on that, don't you? Especially when you, when you're obviously younger and you haven't got sort of family and all those ties and stuff, it's, it's a lot easier to do that then than, than it is now, but you know, um, yeah, we, we, we kind of get through. Were you emotionally prepared, do you think, at that time to take on that kind of slightly more professional, um, you know, identity? Um, that's an interesting question. I don't know about emotionally prepared. It, it was it was interesting because obviously we suddenly went from doing a few local gigs around Sheffield to then doing a couple of gigs where you'd, you'd suddenly get on a little, little kind of splitter van thing you know, with the gear in the back and you all sit in the front and... And you'd, you'd go to maybe you go to London or you go to Glasgow or something, and that was sort of exciting. But then all of a sudden, you have like well, for us, you know, we had obviously Heavyweight came out, and the first first album was was top five, I think. And and all of a sudden, you then you're going out, and you for I think about a year and a half, we were just absolutely mentally busy, just going all over the UK, all over Europe. We went to Japan, you know, and you're suddenly thrust into this kind of yeah world of 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 traveling all the time and going everywhere and having like zero sleep and and trying to sort of live with at the time there were seven people in the band plus the crew you know there's a, so, sort of 10 11 12 people yeah. all kind of living virtually living together in in a, a mobile fashion it's it, it, yeah i think look at the time i had no idea just sort of got on with it as you do i think you, you just kind of deal with stuff but yeah looking back there was there was i don't think i, I don't think any of us were really prepared 
mentally to go through that. And, and there were certainly, as, as I sort of said earlier, there were certainly looking back times that were very difficult and, and, you know, there were arguments and fallings out and, and all the rest of it. Um, but, you know, I think in the end, the, the, the kind of what we were doing and how exciting it was, I think always kind of, it always came back to that. And, and mm. the, the fact that we all, we were all passionate about doing it and wanted to do it. So, I think, yeah, I wonder if that's something that it always comes back to, you know, whether the best part of the day is, is the playing and, you know, hanging out and partying is great fun for everyone. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was, it, was it the music that was really kind of still the, the driving from a, from your heart, you know, was it coming from your heart? Yeah, totally. I mean, the, yeah, the, the, there was that sort of classic, you, you get into a, the routine or you turn up at a venue or wherever you've been traveling from overnight or, or, or whatever through the day and, and then there'd be all that kind of time sat around and it would feel a bit difficult. And that's when that that's when all the kind of the, the arguments and the tetchiness, I suppose, comes in when people are tired and they're just sat waiting. And but then as soon as, yeah, as soon as the gig started and that rush and and you know how how kind of crazy it was, particularly in the early days, you know, with the crowds and, and the energy that, that we used to create on stage, then it'd it just all go away. And and then you know, yeah, you have a few drinks after and a part bit of a party and and the cycle sort of continues. And I guess at some point, um, for some people it kind of got came to a head and it burnt out a little bit and then others others were able to sort of carry on and luckily I was I was one of those that was able to sort of deal with it I guess in the end and and move yeah. forward with it yeah which uh, yeah. that hurry up and wait thing is is a bit mental isn't it yeah I mean it's yeah it's that that's that's the the, the worst part the hardest part of of playing live and doing gigs and touring and stuff and even when you sort of, I guess, if, you, if you're going around doing kind of other things like that, we used to do a lot of sort of, when there was music TV back in the day, we used to do a lot of sort of TV stuff and radio mm. sessions and stuff. And yeah, just, just that endless kind of waiting and traveling. It's, yeah, it's yeah, it's a really odd, odd thing to kind of do really. But, but so once, once you kind of got to the, the moment of, of that you were there for, the, the performance or whatever, it, it kind of all just made sense and, and allowed you to, I say, move on and do it again the next day. With retrospect, you know, in the context of, you know, kind of getting back in a, well, getting into a new saddle with the solo stuff, you know, with, with retrospect, did you grow into, um, you know, that, that job, that lifestyle, did you grow into being able to take that as a, you know, responsibility, you know, and still have fun with it, but know it's a responsibility? Yeah, definitely. I mean, certainly you you learn to, um, to deal with it a lot better, um, the more you do it. And yeah, I think as everybody kind of, certainly moving forward and as you know going through the years a little bit everyone kind of mellowed a little bit naturally anyway so it yeah it became a lot easier and and yeah you 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 understand that that's that's your job that's part of your job and you know it's it's that it's that classic kind of age-old thing where people from the outside go oh you can't complain you're in a rock and roll band it's amazing and all this that and everything it is you know don't get me wrong it really is and that's kind of what you have to remember. But at the same time, that doesn't mean it's not difficult and it's not hard. And, you know, um, particularly when, you know, you, you're maybe not sort of, you're not making the kind of the millions that everyone thinks you are. You, you sort of, you're getting by, you know, you're earning a living, but it's, we're certainly not living in, in mansions. Do you know what I mean? It's, and that, that sort of, yeah, that, that sort of perspective from the outside can, can be sometimes difficult to explain to people and deal with. But yeah, you, you, you accept that it's, that's, that's your job. And, and it's, you know, it's like any other profession and you have to go out and, and do your job, no matter what you're dealing with, you know, before or after that moment mm. when the people have paid their money to come and watch you, 
or mm. you know whatever you've got to go out there and do do your job and, and do it as, as the absolute best you can and i think at the point that you stop doing it and giving it your all and being being the best you can that's that's kind of the time to think well should i be doing this you know luckily yeah. I've, I've not reached that point yet thankfully <laughs> i don't think so yeah and with the you know the conversation yesterday in the department of sport and culture and you know streaming platforms i suppose mm. um you know, yeah. it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. It doesn't feel like there, anything was actually resolved yesterday. No. Um, but, you know, did you pay attention to that at all? I, I kept seeing little bits of people arguing about it. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, you know what, I, I can't deal with this just at the minute. But, but yeah, it's, it's, it, I'm, I'm obviously aware it's, it's, a, it's a, a kind of a, an ongoing debate, shall we say, at the minute. And I feel like, you know, you must have lived through that kind of paradigm shift of, of that industry changing, that part of the industry. Yeah, totally. You know, where was your viewpoint in all of that? Well, I mean, obviously, I think we we kind of the Reverend thing started, I guess, right at the end of what you'd probably think of more of the old old school way of, of things happening. You know, the the singles chart was was still kind of made sense, if you know. What I mean, it doesn't to me mm. anyway. Maybe that's just because I'm I'm a bit older now and don't <laughs> don't really know much much of what's going on in the actual singles chart. But it doesn't seem to make any sense anymore in terms of there's bands or there's artists and, and you know there's an anticipation to them releasing a single like they used to be in the old days and then that would lead on to releasing an album which you don't seem to really do anymore you know all, all that kind of stuff's kind of finished and it's just like people just seem to just put track after track after track out on these streaming platforms and and yeah it's so yeah i think the um we we kind of came in right at the end of that the old school kind of way and then and then obviously there was there was already the shift to sort of downloading music and, and iTunes and all that, that had already begun, but it was still very much a kind of a physical sales market. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, the shift the shift to the Spotify thing, I mean, I guess in a way it's, it's inevitable the way the world is and, and technology is now with the kind of that instant nature of everything and, and everything's just accessible everywhere all the time, isn't it? So yeah. I think it was, it was always inevitable that it was something like that was going was gonna to happen. But I think what, what's, what's difficult is that it, it's... I guess it's difficult because it's it's sort of run by a group of people or a, a set of people um, that don't really have any any kind of relation to the artists on the ground the ground level. If you see what I mean, absolutely. Um, and you know, obviously, for there's there's a group of people right at the upper echelons of streaming that you know that get hundreds of millions of streams, and that's kind of all all right. But there's there's a thousand, a hundred thousand times more people at the other end who get nothing realistically mm. in, in relative terms. And that's, I think that's the problem that it's still so the, 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 the streaming thing, you're supposed to be able to put your music online and, and it was supposed to sort of equalize everything, you know, that anybody could, could have a hit and doing whatever, if it was good enough or if, if enough people kind of cottoned onto it, but it still feels very much weighted to a, a small group of people against the masses. If you see what I mean? Absolutely. So yeah, that, that I think that that's the thing that, that there needs to be some kind of, equalization on really and, and there needs to be some thought put into that whether whether it'll happen or not i don't know i mean i hope i hope it will for the for the sake of, of music music moving forward i'm i'm pretty and i'm a pretty optimistic person so and i'm, I'm very i'm kind of painfully aware of that sometimes but i wonder in this situation you know that the, the more visibility this issue has the fact that you know everyone knows that you know independent artists are finding it even harder than usual than ever to to just live and survive and keep on doing their thing whether this whole conversation actually kind of means that um 
you know, people are people into alternative subcultures, whatever you want to call it, alternative, independent music, whatever. Um, people are, will be just more aware of that. So they will know, you know, someone such as myself will be like, no, I'm not going to listen to that on Spotify. I'm going to go over to their band camp. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's an interesting point. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of the kind of people sort of tweeting sort of support the band, you know, buy the merch, all that kind of stuff. And and the band camp thing is, is really important. And I, I don't know, it's, it's such a difficult thing because you you're really caught between two sides sometimes because like with for me personally with the with the solo thing it'd be great to just say no I've, I, you can get my music but it's only on you know my website where we control how it's all put out there and how you mm. listen to it and who controls all the money but at the same time you're in a real difficult situation that on the other side if if it's not on spotify it's so difficult to potentially reach the amount of people that you would otherwise reach unless yeah. you've already got hundreds of thousands, millions of followers on all the different sort of uh, social platforms and stuff, which, you know, uh, we, me personally, I've got a few and the band's got a few more than that, but it's still in, in global terms. <laughs> it's not a lot, huge amount. So it's, it's a really difficult place to be in. And, and yeah, it, it, it's, I don't quite know what the answer is, if I'm honest. It's part of the, job description now is it would you say it's it's one of the part-time jobs of being an artist well the whole the social media thing yeah and speaking to your manager and your team about how you're going to navigate yeah, totally. all i mean yeah I'm, I'm always having sort of zoom meetings at the minute on how to improve social numbers and all this stuff. and you some stuff he's just thinking oh god is this what it's come to do i really want to do this <laughs> yeah and you know it that that's difficult but then at the, on the other hand you've you, you've kind of just got, like we were saying earlier, you've, you've kind of just got, got to accept that that's kind of part of the job now. And if I want to keep doing this as a job, that mm. unfortunately that's kind of a side that you have to deal with. Um, yeah. It's not going to go away. It's, it's not going to change. It's not, people aren't suddenly going to go and realize, oh no, this is really bad, isn't it? Or whatever. And it all just disappear because that isn't going to happen. So yeah. It's, have you found yourself developing your own personal opinions, you know, which may differ from your manager or your, or your teams or anything like that? Um, I, th- I, th- I mean, I think yeah. Of course, there's always there's always differences differences of opinions on stuff like that. But I guess again, it's you've got two sides. You've obviously got the artistic side, which you know, think you know, power to the people and all that. Let's let's do it our own way. Let's you know, let's mm. do all that. And then you you suddenly get into a thing like I'm going to do this. I'm going to I'm going to sort of put it out myself and this that, and the other. And then you talk to your manager and and they make a, a sort of a reasoned argument from their side and their point yeah. of view. And then you yeah. all of a sudden you think, oh yeah. Oh, actually right, maybe okay. yeah maybe maybe we should just just increase our instagram numbers a little bit just to try and get a bit more traction in that one it's just like oh god and then you you sort of hear yourself talking about it again but as i say it's it, it, i haven't got the answer certainly and i i, I don't really know know what what what's going to come but i think there's there's like you're saying that the people talking about it and the conversation has to be a good thing because it's not it's not equal at the minute it's not it's not fair um to the vast majority of of artists um so yeah the more people do talk about it um hopefully something will will change and and hopefully it won't be too long i feel like someone's going to come up with a good idea at some point <clears throat> inevitably they will you know there'll be something or, or the next thing will take over and it'll all become an irrelevance do you know what yeah. I mean? it'll just yeah. that's probably what will happen probably more likely yeah yeah, yeah. I read a lot about new artists getting publishing deals maybe more often than they would be getting um record label deals you know it's, it's publishing i mean that's it's such a massive it's a bit of a dark art isn't it publishing yeah it's i mean it's yeah it's, it's a difficult one particularly at the minute um i guess there's there's so many kind of avenues of songwriting nowadays and mm. 
you know, there's there's often you find a lot of things that you don't realize are sort of written by teams of people, and and there's this sort of whole world of of professional songwriting. I get, oh, but I, but I guess that kind of harks back to the old days, you know, Tim Pan Alley and all that. There was professional yeah, yeah. teams of songwriters. So I guess in that respect, nothing's nothing's hugely changed. But yeah, the whole publishing thing. I don't know. It's it's a, it's a, it's an interesting an interesting thing. And yeah, I don't know really. Have you written with other people? Uh, bits and bobs, bits and bobs. Yeah, we've we over the last sort of few years, like, yeah, our sort of management has has got us in sort of writing with other people, and I've just I've just done a like a, a songwriting camp uh, just recently that was um, cool. this re- this really interesting um, sort of working in that world, and it's it's something that's a little bit alien to me still, because mm-hmm. um, obviously I'm particularly in in that world, you know, the sort of all these things are geared more towards, I guess, pop music and and all that kind of stuff. Whereas I'm very much still in the sort of indie camp, you know. Um, but it's it's certainly it's an interesting thing, and and I think done if if you get sort of mixed with the right sort of people and do it in the right way, I think I think you, you can come out with some really interesting interesting results. Um, particularly if there's people like myself who, who maybe come from an indie background and then working maybe with a, a producer or a you know, a, a melody writer that's more from the pop world. It, it can it can be quite interesting. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's but it's it's something that that I keep being I keep being told I need to I need to do more of. <laughs> but it's uh, yeah. difficult. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, I wonder if there are, there are moments, you know, sort of lovely moments that that do spark your imagination that don't feel so arbitrary and banal as other moments. Yeah, definitely. And as I say, I think that comes back to sort of the the mix of the people that you work with. Some, sometimes you sort of with people that, for whatever reason, I guess with any with any kind of artistic endeavor, if, if it something doesn't click, then it doesn't click or whatever. And I guess no matter how long you sit there, you're never really going to write or come up with something that that is that, that kind of floats your your boat, so to speak. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, as you say, when when yeah, there was a couple of times in this last sort of week, I've been where well, I was doing stuff that. The, the mix of people was really good and, and yeah we, we came out with something that actually you know it might not have been my kind of first choice of, of thing to do but it, it came out really well in the end and, and I was sort of really pleased with it and um, brilliant yeah so Excellent. you know you never you never know really particularly with you know writing music stuff you just never know you yeah never know what's going to come out the other end it's, it's such a, obviously a, a, a thing that you you know you, you can sit for hours one day and have nothing and then literally you can have a minute the next day and all of a sudden you've written an amazing song so it's yeah you just you just can't predict it are you kind of consistently discovering things about yourself writing solo material um discovering things about you know the way you write or maybe kind of lyrical prose or you know kind of certainly in certainly in, in a lyrical sense yeah i think i think musically I've kind of found my sort of style musically now and, and have been sort of finding that for the last few years, certainly with with the, the later work we've done we had with with Reverend and, and moving into the solo thing. That's 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 kind of fairly clear to me. But yeah, lyrically, as I said before, it's it's something I've not really not really done that much of before. A, because obviously I've been working with John, who was a great lyricist, so I've, there's never been a real need for me to to have to worry about lyrics but um yeah it's i mean being able to like, look back and, and and draw from all those experiences that we've talked about from from over the years of you know of the kind of the joys and the frustrations of of, of working uh, in the music industry and doing what we've done and, and obviously the difficulties that that can pose with relationships and um, both you know friendship and 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 with sort of with love and everything as well it's it's, it's but that that's kind of been the, the really interesting 
process, I think, for me, uh, lyrically, working all that stuff out and, and figuring a way of of expressing myself that that I feel comfortable with and, and confident that pe- other people will will react to as well. Yeah, it's it's funny for someone like me who has just an you know kind of utmost confidence in in you to be able to do that. You know, just knowing you know you've been a musician for you know that's been your career. Um, yeah. So that's interesting to to take on this whole kind of new leaf, as it were, or like sort of new idea into into your fold. Yeah, I mean, this, and I guess this is yeah, this is the thing that I think um, maybe people don't often realise that it's you know it's it's not an easy thing to do, no matter how much success you may get, or, or to the outside world, how how well you might be doing, or how confident you seem. As you say, it's it's people don't often realise how difficult it can be, and, and how sort of how much you can sort of sit and agonise at times with it as well, which is you know disappearing to some. Sort of slightly darker places. If it's not going well, it's it's. Uh, but then I guess again, that's the same with any kind of artistic endeavor. You know, mm. artists and and people who, who write and and whatever else, poets. You know, it's there's always moments where it's it's really difficult. And and but to the outside world, you can be seen to be you know super confident. So yes, it is an interesting juxtaposition, yeah. I suppose. Sometimes those dark times are going to bring out your best material. Well, yeah, yeah it's I all, mean, it's yes. all good for us on the other side. <laughs> Yeah, totally, and, and yeah, I think again, yeah, that's that's the sort of the interesting angle on it, isn't it? So, the, yeah, some of the best music and, and art has always come out of difficulty and, and adversity, hasn't it? So, yeah. Well, Ed, thanks so much for for coming on the show. No, it's an absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure. What's the next sort of what are the next few months in, entail for you? Anything coming up that you're looking forward to? You got, have you got any uh, exclusives for me? Um, well, obviously the release of the album <laughs> finally yeah. after yeah after we said sort of a good a good two two odd years in the making at least and then obviously the the time development before that so that's that's going to be a huge a huge moment for it to actually be released and um yeah there's there's going to be I mean what we've released uh, I think three tracks already off the album so now we're gonna we're gonna look to maybe one or two more before the actual album drops. So that'd be really exciting, and I, I think the main thing is just to try and get out and actually play some music live. You know, yeah. it's um, obviously with with the way things are at the minute, that's impossible. But you know, it's it's such a difficult thing thing to think about. I was, I was talking to my wife about it last night about you know what what if this vaccine and all the rest of it doesn't actually make that much difference, and you know, mm. looking mm. forward beyond that, you just think, oh god, I don't know if I can. You know, it's it's it's. You know, that on a very basic level just dying to go to the to the pub and have a pint and just you know yeah, be able to yeah. just mix with people but on a musical level you know the fact that you know we we, we kind of depend on the live thing largely speaking to, to earn a living so it's you know that that's the thing that i'm desperate to do more than anything and to get out and particularly with with the the record to be able to promote it in the i guess the more traditional sense so that's that's what i'm looking forward to most when it'll happen i i don't know <laughs> I, would, I would love a pint of brown and some loud music yeah do you know what i mean just to not be able to hear in your ears just ring a little bit and and just feel a bit a bit yeah that's that'd be great on the you know the the couple of years preparing for this record i mean have things changed over the years that you maybe didn't expect i mean th- i'm just thinking like that period of time developing a record must be positive I, lar- you know mostly largely positive to be able to have the time to look at it a bit more objectively give yourself a break from it for a few weeks yeah i mean certainly i mean the the the, the whole start of the process it was it was very much at that point um kind of a almost like a, a diy approach between myself and 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 the management we'd we uh i, I sort of had a group a, a batch of songs and and 
I really liked and, and they they really liked as well. So we were like, let's, let's just sort of record it, get in a studio and see what happens really, which, which you know, uh, was an interesting sort of way of doing it. And I think this is why it's taken a little bit longer because obviously once the sort of the label distiller got involved, that obviously they, they wanted to come in and, and, and sort of, and put their sort of spin on it and and do what they do. So yeah, it's it's been a it's been an interesting process. There's been lots of times to sort of sit back and reevaluate what's happening. Yeah. Um and obviously at the beginning of the process, yeah, there, there, there was obviously the plan to record the album, release it, tour it, you know, go and try and support different people and 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 do all that. And that's obviously all fallen by the wayside because of everything that's happened in the last twelve months. So yeah, it's, it's been a constantly evolving, evolving thing, and but I just, yeah, just hope that now we can, we can finally start to move properly, move forward with it. Uh, depending what happens in the future with the the virus and everything, but yeah. Well, I'm so looking forward to the record, and it's been a total pleasure, yeah. you know, chatting here about hearing about those stories from over the years. I mean, you know, it comes up all the time. You know, the glory days are now, um, and I think that's an important, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It excites me all the time. You know, sometimes I think my my best years were behind me, but no, <laughs> you know. No, well, I, th- um, I think I think once you start thinking that, as I said before, when if you start thinking, oh, well, the, yeah, the best years have, have gone, and you maybe not uh, putting putting your all into it anymore, that's the time to stop. But yeah, I think I think as long as you think, well, I can always do something better, then you crack on and, and go for it. And that's where you're at. I think so, yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Anyway, that's, that's, that's kind of, I, I don't feel like I'm done, certainly, in, in that respect. So there we go. Ed Cosin's here on 101 Part-Time Jobs. If you haven't subscribed by now, you should go ahead and do that. Don't forget to buy his album, Fortune's Favour, out the 9th of April. And that, I believe, is everything for this week. Here's Cox Barrow. I've been working all day for me, mate, on the side. Running around like a blue-ass fly. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate. Every blinking minute I've been on the go. Up and down the ladder like a fiddler's elbow. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate. This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.